Welcome to Max Volume, where we deliver loud takes at soothing decibels. I am your host, Maxwell Lewis Sanders, and this is episode 90. For those new listeners out there, Max Volume is a podcast that worships at the altar of pop culture, a place where the silly and inane are of the utmost importance. It's a pod where we discuss heavy topics like the symmetry of Hilly Swank's face, the sex appeal of David Spade, and how Julia Louise Dreyfus is low-key the funniest woman in Hollywood. No quote too minor, no side plot too small. This is a pod for the TV geeks and movie freaks. So welcome all weary travelers. Your boredom ends here. Before we delve into the topic at hand, let's start with five minutes of Seinfeld-level daily observation. It has been a while. Hello, everyone. Uh, sometimes in life you get sidetracked, and I've been really sidetracked for like the past two, three weeks. My sister thinks I have ADD. I was never diagnosed, and I've been to like 10 therapists, and they never said I had ADD. But it might be true. Like, I can't hold eye contact with people for more than three seconds. Like, I'm just, like, looking all around the room. Like, when I'm on, on, when I'm on dates, like, the girl midway through a conversation will look behind her and be like, what is he looking at? It's just I can't keep eye contact. I don't know what it is. Even when I care about the situation, it's like, if my girlfriend's saying something, I'll still just wander off after five minutes. My dad and me are going over, like, accounting stuff, and it's very important. Still, eye contact. Can't do it. I mean... I guess I, I mean, maybe I have ADD. Like I think about random things all the time. Like I think about Meg Ryan's nineties haircuts a lot and I don't know why. And I wonder what Polly Shore is doing right now, at least once a day. And I asked myself, was Quincy the dog from Fatal Attraction a good boy in real life? And who was the real owner? I want to say it was Michael Douglas. I hope so. Or Glenn Close. Like I hope they adopted him. I mean, I'm sure he's like a stunt dog or a Hollywood dog that's well-trained, but I just love Quincy. So see, I, I mean, I get distracted really easily. Like it happens. And I'm also working on social media for another podcast. It's this 80s podcast called Buzz in the Tower, B-U-Z-Z-N, The Tower. It's going to launch Christmas Eve or so. Very exciting. And I forgot how addictive social media is. <laughs> like, I'm trying to do it without being sucked back into the pit of emotional vacuousness that online addiction kind of gives you. But I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. I don't even know how to use TikTok yet, but I'm learning. And so far, so good. Like, I'll do like 20, 30 minutes a day to kind of get things in line. But I, I get why people get addicted to it. It's like a lottery. It's like pulling that lever of that, uh, what are they called? I don't know. It's in a casino. You pull it. The old people pull it. It's like you put a quarter in it. Oh, slot machine. There we go. But I'm trying to hit as many spiritual podcasts as I can to kind of counterbalance it so I can keep perspective, moderation, and, you know, kind of feed my soul while I also do something that's kind of not healthy, but it's good for business. So we'll see how that goes. It's a bouncing act. And I'm trying to not, not to let the like little things get me. Like, for example, a couple of days ago, I spent two days debating whether or not to get a $13 Bluetooth mouse for my laptop. I spent like two days, like 48 hours. That's all I thought about. Like I couldn't listen to conversations. TV meant nothing to me. And eventually I kind of just laughed at myself because who does that? Like, who cares? 13 bucks and it's a something I need or not need. See, need is the, what is it? Desire is the creation of sacrifice or something like that. Desire breeds sacrifice. No, it's one of the Buddha's four noble truths. See, it's like I'm listening to spiritual podcast, but I'm having ADD. So it's like I can get half of it. Hold on, let me think. Desire is the birth of suffering or something like that. That sounds right. Sounds right. But anyways, like Bluetooth mouth, who cares? You know, find levity, laugh at yourself. And you kind of got to poke the ball of intensity, the balloon of intensity of your thoughts. Just like let it ride out. Just let it go. Which I'm not doing a very good job of right now. I'm kind of nervous being back on here uh, because I haven't been a solo podcast 
been solo podcasting in two and a half, three weeks, I guess. Man, I, I lost out of the ability to talk. I'm like jamming all over myself. I'll get there. We'll find it together. You'll hold my hand and we'll walk through this together. Imaginary person out there. But uh, I'm back here and it feels nice. And I just want to rant about pop culture stuff that kind of blows my skirt up. Not that I'm wearing a skirt right now. Not right now. I mean, I'm six foot five and a dude. So be a, I have good legs, though. I have like dancers legs. And weirdly, I have no uh, hair on my legs for some reason. I'm hairier everywhere else. But like my legs, people are like, oh, you shave your legs. I'm like, no, I don't. I just have naturally unhairy legs. So get off my back. Although, I mean, who cares if I shave my legs? I don't care. But this is all weird. This is a good rant. This is a nice, nice way to come back <laughs> into podcasting. I just love it. And I love all of you for listening to me. And there's one dude in India or one girl or one transgender they in India who's listening to me. So shout out to you, Indian person, like and a couple of people in Australia. So I don't know, know anybody in Australia. So I just I love that random people are just listening to this, listening to my voice right now in this very second in this now. But what's on my mind today was surprisingly a reality show, like normally not my scene. Uh, like as a kid, I was a real world road rules MTV kind of guy. Like, I love CT. I love Seattle when Irene got slapped. That was crazy. Mike being the Miz in New York. Puck being a dick in LA. The dude with the Boston accent, David crying in the car while dating a producer in Seattle. But now it seems like uh, the reality shows are all rehearsed. I mean, I guess people love The Bachelor and The Bachelorette. And someone tells me I like it if I watched it. But it's just this Big Mac kind of comparison of TV, the reality TV. It's calorie heavy nutritionally vacuous like it's satisfying in the moment but you you come out of it not learning much or not enjoying much so just no thanks i just haven't done any of it but my girlfriend got me into this hunting show on netflix called meat eater and she's a bow hunter she's also a deer hunter i like to brag about it i think it's the coolest thing in the world i love when see I, people's eyes bug out with interest when i drop that knowledge because i couldn't hurt a fly you know i mean I, i'm dating someone who can you know murder 300 pound glorious animals and eat all and consume all its flesh. And I think it's surprising too for people because I was a vegan for two of the last three years. And I, I kind of just randomly stumbled on it. Basically, I was watching gross out meat documentaries and feel good plant based films till my eyes bled like what the health, that sugar movie, uh, meat incorporated food, Inc, you know, just stuff like that. And I was a douche about it too. Like I had t shirts that said fresh, not flesh and said veganism autumn. I wrote vegan posts about like, you can get your protein from beans, you know, and kind of that meat production was vomit inducing gross. Like that was me. I was in your face about it because it was fun. I liked being awful for kind of moral reasons. It was kind of fun. Also, I lost 40 pounds. So, I mean, that felt great, but I did feel like my variety and general health wasn't at top form. So I went douchey and I did this new term called seganism. I can't believe it's even a term. It's great. And that's when you eat you know, plant-based, but you'd seafood as well. I think they just did it for the name. And then slowly 10% of my life uh, in food, I backed into meat basically. So, or in, in dairy and all that kind of stuff. And it's been wonderful. Like I've lost another 10 pounds and I feel good. And so when Selena showed me meat eater, I figured, fuck it. Like, let's give it a whirl. Let's give it a try. And to my surprise, it's wonderful. I, I can't stop watching it. I watch at least one, two episodes a day, sometimes three. It's this guy, Steve Ranella. He's a master hunter from Michigan. Shout out Michigan, where I'm from. You know, he's a hunter, fisherman, outdoorsman. He travels around the globe hunting all types of critters. 
It's like nine seasons. There's 23 to 30 minute episodes. And it's like the most calming, centering thing I've ever watched, which I need because have you seen me? I mean, like my first time back solo podcasting, I'm stammering and stammering, <laughs> stuttering and stammering through the first 10 minutes or 15 minutes now. And, you know, I need something calm. So this show is kind of like Bob Ross and Planet Earth had a testosterone heavy child. Like he's boundlessly energetic. He's curious about other cultures, hunting techniques. Sometimes he's the teacher. He's the expert. Like he had Joe Rogan on and showed him how to, you know, bow hunt for deer in Las Vegas. I think it was like black Sika deer. And sometimes he's a student. Like he goes uh, to South America and learns, you know, tribal fishing techniques. He's never afraid to ask questions or try something new or look stupid. I love that. And just just a charming guy in this funny PG kind of dad friendly kind of way. He's got one of those faces where he looks anywhere from 25 to 45, which I love. You're like, not sure how old he is. Great smile. Great voice. Soothing voice. Like excellent voice. Like he does the uh, voiceovers too. And he gives you like hunting facts or he'll quote poetry and philosophy sometimes. I'm not sure if he writes the uh, voiceovers, but whoever does is just A+. It's good stuff. And most importantly, the show feels real. Like sometimes they don't catch anything. You just watch for 30 minutes and, you know, a sheep gets away or they didn't see a bear the whole time or they'll mess up royally on their tactics or strategy of a hunt. And that authenticness is just so contrasting to what reality TV has been in my life in the last 10 years. And like the floor is lava. Give me a break. Although I did watch a couple episodes of that. It's pretty addictive. But I love the discipline and respect for the animals that the hunters have. They don't do any shortcuts. They do everything to prevent bad shots. They won't risk hurting an animal longer than they need to. Like, and there's lots of catch and, catch and release stuff with fish. They have this crazy knowledge of animals and the terrain. It's just unbelievably fascinating. It's basically like the most interesting seventh grade when your teacher was hung over and put in a history channel tape. It's the most, it's the best version of that. And they like, they'll bring up like the wind patterns and scent radiuses of Colorado elk. Like they'll see an elk get spooked from like two miles away. And it's like, like the wind is downhill, they could smell us, which is crazy to me. Like good for elks for having good senses of smell. Or like they talk about the proper horn sizes required for killing a doll sheep in Alaska. They're like, oh, he's got eight rings on his left one. No, we can't, we can't do it yet. He's only eight years old. I'm like, that's crazy. That's, that's informative. Or the, like how they tell me how moose antlers are the perfect antennas so they can hear mating calls from miles away. I had no idea. I just thought it was just a goofy, you know, thing on their head. I had no idea that it was, you know, an antenna. Very cool. And every episode, you learn something new. Like Steve is like Mr. Rogers with a compound bow or Bill Nye, the science guy with a muzzle loading rifle, front loading rifle. Is that what it's called? I don't know. But just a gun that you like have to kind of old school pack in. And the filming is just it's picturesque. It's just beautiful documentary style worthy shots. And like and you can they go to different places like the Amazonian River. There's this jaw dropping, jaw dropping Wyoming mountain ranges, Wisconsin winters. Kentucky woods for squirrel shoots and <laughs> Selena, my girlfriend makes fun. She calls squirrel hunting. It's like meth head hunting. She just does not like it. Cause I mean, it is kind of crazy. They just take shotguns and they get like their trained dogs and they just basically fire randomly into trees with a bunch of people. <laughs> and they're like squirrels get eaten. She's like, no, it's not it's trash eating. And I don't know when they cook it up at the end, it looks decent, but I guess I will not be serving squirrel for Selena or she will not be bringing it home, sadly. But she brings home deer, which is awesome. Love deer. Venison rules. And the variety of animal and techniques on the show seem endless, which is kind of crazy. Like, I thought hunting, I just think deer, that's it. But like one episode, it's a black bear hunt where he's telling me how uh, black bears intense blueberry consumption can be tasted in the meat. And he's 
hauling hundred pound packs of bear meat back to camp three miles away. Like, and it's solo. It's by himself. He's just by himself carrying like 800 pounds of bear meat. And it's just, I mean, just unbelievably, you know, solo kind of independent. This is, you know, me versus nature kind of stuff. And to contrast that they'll have like a 15 person wild rabbit hunt where they do like communal frying, like a communal frying party after they kill all the rabbits and they'll have some lake trout they just caught. And it's like a party and it's more, you know, learning techniques from someone else or like learning how to make your own shotgun pellets and stuff like that, where it just feels more of a community. I just love the contrast. It's just really, he doesn't, he doesn't judge anything. He's like, I'll try anything once. And it's, I didn't realize there's so much hunting, you know, variety, like all the different kinds of elk, all the kinds of deer, caribou, moose, feral pigs. There's some impronounceable name stuff. And I mean, he travels all over the country and down to South America he hasn't, I don't think he's gone to Europe yet. And it doesn't seem like he's gone to Asia either. I'm curious, do they hunt in Asia like this? Or is that not a thing? I don't know. He's never really brought it up. I think he did Australia too, which seems fun. Or maybe not. Maybe I just made that up. But also another aspect, which I haven't even mentioned, there's a cooking aspect of the show. And I love it. It's fantastic. Because just the right amount of cooking, like if I watch a full cooking show for 25, 30 minutes, I'm going to want to like flambe or butter coat something myself. I just get hungry, even if I'm not hungry. I'm like, damn it. That was a waste. That's why I don't watch Top Chef anymore because I'm like, I'm going to be creative. Like once I had a couple of drinks, this is like 10 years ago, I was watching Top Chef and I thought I was creative. And I was like, I'm going to put Swiss Miss hot chocolate, uh, the bag the bag of uh, Swiss Miss stuff. I'm going to spray it over spicy popcorn and see how that goes because it's a sweet, salty mix. And it was terrible. It was just, it was a bad idea. So don't have a few beers and watch Top Chef because you'll think you're a Top Chef and you're not. But these guys are top chefs and they know the meat and they like know how to butcher it. And every, every kill and all the food that they eat, it feels earned and appreciating, appreciated. Like they lovingly consume the hunt with respect and joy. And they use like fresh seasonal ingredients and cooking techniques of the region, like traditional Mexican stews made with a type of feral pig and a local deer in one episode, caribou heart sliced thin uh, after the hunt, like a, like fresh hour, a couple hours after the hunt. Some insane Texan elk family uh, animal that's originally from India. They made into like a fresh Texan style ceviche. It, it seemed like a dinosaur in that episode. It was crazy. And it all feels earned, like I said. And the hunters never seem arrogant or stubborn. They appreciate 10-day hunts without a kill. And they, these are like big, burly, manly men dudes that could probably beat the crap out of me. And they're not afraid to cry after a first kill of uh, like an animal they've never done before. They appreciate, you know, how long it took and they thank the animal for, you know, giving its meat for our nutrition or his nutrition. See, our, I'm like connected to it. And like they stroke the fur post kill, like Steve's hunting bunny, buddy Janice, who's in a bunch of episodes, does this thing after he kills a deer, he puts some grass in its mouth as almost kind of like a ritual where it's like, hey, you have some fresh grass to go into the next world for you know like kind of like uh in egyptian culture when you put the coins on the eyes for the river sticks for the uh boatman kind of that vibe and plus there's a ton ton of variety of characters he's a different buddy for each part of the globe few repeat guests but you never know what episode will bring what adventure and i love i love like random episodes like usually you think like oh cool a bear episode that's gonna be awesome but like i love the feral pig episode more than uh more than moose hunts or stuff like that that seemed like they'd be more fun and dangerous and you get to understand the difference between all the different animals and kind of their personalities and, you know, how they interact during mating season, how they react to cold, 
how they re- react to different situations and how they react to humans too. Like seeing the different personalities of the animals is really cool. It's almost like a planet Earth where you're like, oh, this is how they act. So interesting. And there's the tension too. The show just has a joy of the slow burn. And you do like a week's worth of hiking in pretty insane terrains. Like, you know, they're going up like shale mountains where they're sliding the whole time. I'm like, oh man, I would fall and die if I did that. Or, I mean, like in serious uh serious rivers that have like some serious pull to them they're like almost like getting pulled over and i'm like oh my god they're gonna die and no they don't die but i would die if i did any of this stuff because i'm clumsy it's just wonderfully oddly therapeutic it's just this dance between man and animal and it's oddly wholesome and spiritual and the conversations between the hunters are sweet and often philosophical too it's a great show to watch before bed it kind of puts you at ease with the world anytime like if you're feeling stressed the show will calm you You just hear babbling brooks and like the background music is always just kind of this light guitar like acoustic guitar feels like you're by a fireside with them and i couldn't recommend anything more that's coming out uh right now and that's from a reformed vegan so i mean that's definitely a good stamp of approval so put some camo on and give it a whirl like i promise it's worth it and thanks for bearing with me with this. This is my intro back into solo podcast. I only got like three or four this week so I can get back into it. But this is, it's just fun to see your falters and you see like, it's like riding a bike. You know, you're a little wobbly at first and then you get, you get back on it. Like by the end of this, I felt better, but I definitely, in the first five, 10 minutes, there's a little bit of back sweat at the, and there's a little bit of butt sweat on the chair right now. And that's too much information. So I'm going to leave before I say anything else. Later.